Well, welcome back, you guys. Uh, it was uh, a lot of fun when I had an opportunity to talk with you guys individually. And, um, and this idea that I wanted to have both of you on at the same time. Uh, and then not just talk, continue talking about your individual journeys, but talk about, um, and this to me is just fascinating, um, having been with my wife for 26 years and knowing our journey over, over that 26-year uh, time period and all the stories that went with it. I wanted to have an opportunity to uh, not only get to know you guys a little bit more, but then hear your guys' story, not just individually, but then also as a couple. And uh, so that's really what um, just wanted to you know learn more about that. So uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for having us again. Yeah. No, no problem. So well, why don't we just get started with that? How how did you guys meet? I mean, how did that all come about? You know what? It's, it's funny because we just talked about this the other day. Yeah. And I'm glad we did because I got it wrong oh. <laughs> a little bit. Just my memory was a little off, but it was a long time ago. Yeah. But I like to start, I like to think the time that we really truly met was the time that we met out at the bar. Right. Um, in, uh, in, I would say, unconventional circumstances. And it led to a conversation that exposed me to a different side of her that um, my uh, assumptions weren't in alignment with. And then I realized that she had something uh, different to offer mm-hmm. from an intellectual side, from a, you know, a pursuit side. Okay. Um, but I guess the, you, the, the short story of it from my perspective is um, I was in town from, I think when I was in Nebraska, I was coming into town and my friend had wanted to go out to uh, the bar. So I said, all right, let's go out to the bar. And uh, I, I I went out, and he was telling me that he had met some girls that he was going to meet out with. And I was like, okay, I know one of them. And, um, and then I started talking to her, maybe with different intentions. And then I found out that it was, it was much deeper very quickly. Um, in, in the conversation, I ended up not drinking, not engaging any of the bar stuff. Yeah, it was basically like a busy bar scene. Like picture a busy bar scene, sure. RBI, like a okay. super busy oh, bar on a that's Saturday a loud, night. It's a loud bar too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it was just us sitting out on the patio, not neither of us drinking, everyone drinking around us, and then us talking about like the universe and just okay. deeper ideas. And uh, it was definitely the beginning of us having that that insight it was really interesting to me because i I think it's just i mean timing is a lot of a lot of it like like whatever i was going through in my life i was exposed to some bigger ideas you know uh you know i was really getting into a lot of neil degrasse tyson's work and becoming more aware of like what's really out there as far as um um the vastness of the universe so i really was engaged with a lot of universe talk okay and when i brought it up to a lot of people crickets you know nobody's really into that nobody's going down that that rabbit hole um and then when i started talking to her the least uh the person i least expected to want to talk about that started to talk about that so i was like all right. Yeah. So, so tell tell me a little bit. I I'm, I'm not super familiar with his work. So tell me tell me a little. Well, bit. Neil deGrasse Tyson is a astrophysicist that studies the nature of the universe. Okay. He, he's okay. Um, he 
remade the um, Cosmos series. Okay, um, sure. Okay, that's where I've heard the name. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. And so I started getting into a lot of his work and his books about just about the va like really truly about the vastness of the universe and how insignificant we are in a beautiful way. Yeah. Okay. Like, the fact that we're all made of the same things as the stars. Like okay. One, one yeah. phrase that always sticks in my head is his mentor, Carl Sagan, yeah. said human beings are the first creation of the universe that has the ability to look back on itself. Okay. And I thought that was a cool idea of just thinking that we are all part of the universe. We're all part of the the elements that make up the universe and uh, we only exist because of the universe sure. and uh, being uh, not uh, religious this was something that I could make sense of it all with okay. mm -hmm. yeah. so you're in Nebraska you're wrestling for Nebraska you're on the on the wrestling team right and so as a general stereotype that doesn't seem to be what most division one state yeah. qualifier wrestlers are doing with their spare time stereotypically so how did you how'd you get in, intrigued with that dome yeah i think uh you're right for the most part definitely in the big 10 people that are in like wrestling country i guess you'd mm -hmm. say um yeah i mean i was just bored with the the sport of wrestling you know i liked doing the sport i liked training hard i liked uh being combative on a daily basis but you know i was i was just curious about the world so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um really my curiosity led me to reading books that i would have never thought to read um i don't think podcast i don't think i got exposed to them from a podcast i i do remember there used to be um in the beginning of netflix there were a lot of uh, Nova Science Now yeah. Uh, yeah. documentaries, and he was the voice and he was the creator of it. Okay. And there was a couple um, Nova Sciences where they were talking about um, um, the like black holes or or um, uh, well, I've, just the age of suns and and how stars are suns that have died, but they don't you're seeing light that you know just stuff like that and then i was like whoa you sure. know i can tell you a few other experiences that led to my curiosity but that's probably another conversation okay, sure <laughs> well so and probably very similar just to how you became fascinated with that I'm, I'm so you guys are at this you know so some people may not know where arbery is you know that bar and and i know that i probably have only been to that bar a couple times um i'm a couple years older than you guys um after 10 o'clock and I'm assuming you guys were there after 10 o'clock you know whatever night this was and and so like for you Kylie all of a sudden this guy right is talking about this stuff what but you were intrigued by it so tell, tell us a little bit about that piece and how did you get interested in though that topic and um yeah I mean I think at that point in my life I was like craving mm -hmm. deeper conversations okay. and I was at the time living in downtown Chicago. I was pursuing modeling, but I wasn't really pursuing it. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was like, oh, I want to be a model, but I was not like doing anything to get me there. Okay. So that's where our conversation actually started. Okay. Um, but for me, 
I wasn't actually, I wasn't reading books. I wasn't listening to podcasts. I wasn't doing anything that was, that would have led me to learning about the universe. Okay. But I had the deeper sense of like, I know that there, you know, like there's this, there's more to life than going out to clubs in Chicago. And I just needed someone to kind of help me wake up. Sure. And that conversation I think was the beginning of, of me starting to wake up but it took time even after that like it was years after that sure okay that we actually started to hang out on a regular basis okay so this was like some seeds were planted this night yeah and 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 it wasn't like the next day all of a sudden it was 24 7 you guys were always together so so what happens next what what's how did well i uh and how old are you guys at this time like are you guys both i don't even I know think i'm 22 20 22 i think I think I'm 22. I was at least 21. I know so that. So maybe 23. It's good to hear you guys were legally in the bar. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at that time, yeah. I never <laughs> went into bars illegally. Um, I can't say the same. <laughs> I think maybe I was... It was maybe after Nebraska... It was like maybe finishing Nebraska and going to Elmhurst because I knew I was going to finish my degree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really wasn't focused on, on having a relationship of any kind. So... Okay. I was very content with having that um, that moment and and letting it uh, see where it went, but sure. not really um, pursuing uh, anything. Yeah, and so I went back to school um, to Elmhurst, and I just remember every every month or so, I would send her a message, kind of just catching up with her and seeing how her life was and seeing what she was up to and how she was pursuing her goals and that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. he would send me like, a, he would say like, Hey, check out this podcast if you get a chance or like, yeah, you know, just how are things going? And I think for the most part I would respond, but I was just not, I was similar to him. I wasn't interested in pursuing anything. Like okay. I, my mind was elsewhere for sure. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And then where, when, cause you guys are about a year apart, right? Age wise. Uh, Two, two years. Two, two years two, apart? Yeah. Okay. And then when did it kind of go from this uh, acquaintance, getting to know each other, but and having kind of moving in the, a little bit the same direction, but maybe not, you know, maybe, Kylie, you weren't as intentional as, as Dalton was at that point, but you were definitely interested and know you were looking for something. And that's kind of what we talked about in our last interview was that um, this idea you were looking for something. And um, so when did it start moving into uh, an actual relationship? When did that, when did you start dating or whatever, whatever that next stage was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it was around the time when I graduated from school. Okay. Um, and I started coming back home a little bit more often. Okay. And we kind of... He would come over because my... I had girlfriends I lived with, yeah. so he would come over as a friend and just hang out with us. Okay. Like, oh hey, how's it going? Stop by, and okay. then he would leave. And okay. it was just like, then he would leave, and and then, like my friend and I were like, Dalton is so attractive. Like we would just have those conversations, then it'd be over, it was like nothing. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly how or why it started, other than. Every time I talked to him, and I remember, we both remember one specific um, coffee date that we had at Starbucks, and when I left, I just felt more alive. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt, I felt like, 
excited, not even about him, but about life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is that? You mm-hmm. know, I just, mm-hmm. I loved that feeling. And um, the more that we started to hang out, I guess the unique situation, if, if anyone were to hear um, my individual conversation with you, I was at this breaking point in my life, but it didn't, I don't know if you knew that when you first started hanging out with me. Did, did I show that I was, or was I like have like a, I think I, I had more of a facade of like, uh, I got all my, all my stuff together. Yeah. I mean, maybe I, I think I've, I've been pretty cynical about where other people are throughout their lives, but I think I always maybe knew, but. I just knew you had strength, so it didn't really matter where you were. I just knew yeah, that you could get through the the next phase. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk a little bit. So you guys weren't dating. Uh, well, obvi- well, not obviously, but I guess that would make sense. You, you talked a little bit of last time. Um, uh, you, we talked a little bit about what happened with The Bachelor and, and that, and we didn't get into a, a real depth of it, but that was the what I remember we, when we talked, it was like the second kind of reality check or that, you know, that major letdown disappointment. The first one was the Disney mm. and that was a major letdown and then, um, or disappointment. And then, then the incident that happened with, with the bachelor and that whole process. And obviously that was even probably even more intense. And, and I would, I, I would just guess on how, um, having having had a little bit of involvement with the entertainment world and through my daughter with um, performing arts and even Caleb with uh, my son with um, with playing football in college, how cold it can be when you are not going to be able to contribute to the to whatever whatever direction they're going in. Thanks for thanks for coming, but could you move out of the way? I mean, yes. and um, and and that I've 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 watch through their experiences and I very much remember that through my own experience when I was bodybuilding um, being on top of the world one year when I win the national title and the following year when I'm supposed to and I get sixth and in the photographers and the in the newspaper they were looking beyond me they were looking at the person <laughs> on the other side of the room and I was like uh, mm-hmm. and so so how so you guys weren't dating at that time you right. come back to Rockford you're in in the midst of this um, probably shock and brokenness all at the same time. How did you guys connect at that time period? Um, you guys are still you guys are just friends at that point, but yeah. what, so how did that go? That was yeah. a couple months after, right? Yeah, I definitely took a few months. I think to one to like just uh, process all of it okay. because I had to wait a couple months for it to even air. Yeah. Oh, so once it okay. started to air, then it like brought it all back up again. And so I was definitely sad, but I was also like, um, my ego was milking the fact that it aired. So everyone got to see me on national television. I went back bartending. So I was kind of like milking the attention I was getting okay. for a while. And then when I felt the emptiness that that brought me, that's when I was like, okay, like this is not enough for me. Mm-hmm. And I was really just in the midst of a party summer, springtime, and he came over and we had another deep conversation. And then I, I was reminded of that feeling of what I was actually searching for, which was one, substance, but okay. also like just an inner strength in myself. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's the reason, selfishly, that I was so attracted to him was because I saw a strength in him I hadn't seen in anyone else. So I was able to almost like see what was possible to have actual confidence, to have Mm -hmm. actual self-esteem and to have self-respect. Like I was doing things that were so destructive and he would come around where everyone else was drinking or, you know, smoking cigarettes or doing whatever that was eating junk. And he was just like, oh, I'll hang out with you guys, but I'm not going to do any of that Mm -hmm. because I don't need to, but I'll hang out with you. Mm -hmm. So I saw him have self-control that I was like, what? Like you're going to hang out with us and you're going to have a good time without doing any of these things. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like, basically I I felt like a loser. (laughs) I was like, okay, you know, in the best way possible. Sure, sure. So I wanted to be better because he was around. So, so that inner conflict between on one hand, you're, you're, you're seeking something, right? And then you guys have this shared experiences, even if they're just, and they're just conversations, but, but you reflected on, okay, this is how I felt afterwards. And so there was this, so that was the beginning. There was another seed that was planted there of, of the possibility of what could be. And then, but you're still got one foot in how you've been doing things and then getting a taste of what this other world could be like. Mm-hmm. Right? And you hadn't committed either way yet, but you were, you were pulling out of that other world. Yes. Because it wasn't, it, well, you used the word, oops, you used the word of empty. Mm-hmm. You know, that it, it was, um, it was, there was an emptiness with it. Yeah. So tell me, tell us, well, what were you thinking at that time? Uh, yeah, what were you thinking? When all that was happening? Yeah. Yeah, that one. Um, you know, it's interesting, too, because uh, as much as I don't think that I... Like, I, I, I think for me it's really easy to be black or white, like, when it comes to commitment, right? Like, okay, I'm not looking for a relationship, so I'm not in a relationship. I'm not going to be in this phase where we think we are, we think we aren't, like, I don't want to be there ever. Right. Um, and so I think I made a decision at some point where I saw the potential of a relationship. Um, you know, I, I left this kind of out of the equation, but up until this moment, I was almost, I was almost positive that I was going to be single forever and I was going to be okay with it. Mostly because of the the like the cynical nature of like if somebody cannot go with me intellectually um, in uh, like actual pursuits, what you want to accomplish in life, mm-hmm. um, I knew that what I wanted to accomplish in life is is not um, uh, shared with as many people. So I, I at this point I was just like you know, maybe there isn't somebody that's willing to do all of these things, go through the things that I'm willing to go through Mm -hmm. to achieve the things that I want to achieve. Um, I didn't really want to try to ask that of somebody because I knew that it wasn't only a selfish thing. It was like, that's a difficult thing, you know? Um, So up until this point, I wasn't really sure if I was going to have a relationship, but I saw the potential um, I saw that she wanted to go places that I wanted to go, um, live a certain way. Um, so I, so I, 
I think it was really at that moment where I said, all right, you know, let's make a commitment. Let's see um, how this can work out. Okay. Um, so, and I think that's really around the time when I kind of just decided to move back to Rockford as opposed to staying uh, in the suburbs where there was a great opportunity in the suburbs, you know, to continue on the path to my mm -hmm. uh, goals. Um, and I just felt like life would be uh, much more fulfilling with a counterpart. Uh, okay. Yeah. Real quick before I ask about that, uh, what what do you think... Because we didn't talk about this last time, but what what's that? What's the driver? What's the what? You obviously very driven, and and wanting to accomplish certain things. What if you were able to put that into a, you know, kind of like a just a, a, a nutshell? What what what's what's do you think is the undercurrent of driving that for you? Because um, they talk about this idea that we're either chasing after something or we're being chased by something. Um, and, and for you, what do you, what do you think was that if you, if you peeled it back, um, what, where, where's that coming from that, that driving? I think, I mean, I don't or why, know how, or maybe why is it so, yeah, I don't know how to necessarily explain it outside of the self-actualization, you know, uh, fulfilling potential. While I was in college, I tried to make the golf team. I made the golf team. Mm -hmm. um, I liked sports were practical applications of skills and, and work ethic because okay. if you see somebody doing something and you model their behavior and you work it uh, enough, you know, you can achieve uh, potentially the same outcome, you know. Um, and so I think that's where it ca came from, like growing up hearing – my parents say that I could do anything that that nobody was uh, special, nobody was um, um, capable of something that I wasn't capable of. Okay. And then when I started to experience life uh, outside of the small town of Belvedere and seeing what was really possible, mm -hmm. I was I was completely understanding of that. I saw people that, you know, had millions and billions of dollars, and I saw people that were professional athletes. I've saw I've seen people have successful companies that started from the ground up, and and then that's when I realized like whatever it is that I want to do, I I can do it. And so, you know that there's a quote from Oprah. It's like as long as you know what you don't want to do, that will keep you in alignment to finding out what you do want to do mm -hmm. and so it's really easy for me to just stay uh, avoiding the things I don't want to do and just going after the things that excite me at the time sure. so I don't know anything other than the fact that I have a confidence in my ability to reach my potential gotcha and uh, remind me of a couple things and and I'm and I talk about this with uh, within the count you know clients that I'm counseling or people that I'm coaching and it's also reflective of my my own story I think there is this uh, tension between um, what what may drive us is that tension between um, how I've been wounded and the story that I tell myself from that wound and what are my gifts and the story I tell myself about those gifts and there's a like a tension between those two. I'll give you an example. I clearly in my mind remember 
um, before seventh grade, I didn't know that I was invisible, but I experienced being invisible. Um, uh, you know, the, at school, right? In, in grade school and early middle school of, uh, I thought I had friends at school because I knew their names and they knew my names, but I didn't hang out with anybody after school. But I didn't know you were supposed to. So it wasn't, it wasn't like I was longing for something. I wasn't missing something. I didn't, I had never experienced it. So, so then I didn't know, right? But I clearly remember what happened when I became visible. It was the same school. It was a sixth, seventh, and eighth grade school. It was at Harlem, and, and it was the, the middle school there. And that summer, I had started working out before my seventh grade football season started working out. Didn't know that I also had a growth spurt. And on the seventh and eighth grade football team, I went from thinking I was going to be a lineman because my perception of myself was this husky, stocky, you know, overweight or a little bit overweight kid. And I didn't, I didn't realize that in the mirror and what other people saw was this person who was a middle schooler, but had muscle, you know, because I'd been working out all summer and running all summer and I didn't see it change. But when we, I literally remember lining up, he had all the, I, I went with the lineman because that's how I saw myself. And, um, we had to run hundred yards to, because we were doing sprints and he told us to run as fast as you can. And so I did. And I finished first out of all the seventh and eighth graders. And we ran back and I did again. He goes, what's your name? And I told him my name. So he was, you're playing running back now. And I, and I didn't even understand that. Right. Um, and what the beginning of that was meaning, but when you're in middle school, you become popular with the boys because you're athletic. And then you start drawing girls attention because the boys are paying attention. And I had no idea what was happening at all. I was still a shy kid that I was the year before three months earlier in the same hallways but now with all this attention, um, I knew that I didn't want it to go away, but I had no idea how to handle it. Um, and I also associated completely with working out and with sports. It wasn't till later, and I've had that story happen a couple times, you know, um, where, where things like that I had no idea. Then all of a sudden I became visible on a whole other level. But the wound part, not only did I not know how to talk about it and ask people about it, but the wound part also was that came with that was I I remember experiencing what it was like to be invisible and I know I didn't want to go back. And so when I say about things that drive me, I know that that's been a part of what's driven me in the past and probably to a degree still does of not wanting to be invisible or to be forgotten or insignificant. Now, on the other hand, my gifts of how do I how do I relate to people? How can I communicate with people? What can I bring to the community? I bring to people. Um, I'm aware of those too, and that drives me almost from a responsibility. Let alone I get a a high from it uh, because I'm in that space that you're referring to. Um, I meet with certain people, like you were talking about, Kylie, and when I walk away, it just feels like it flows, mm -hmm. and I want more of those conversations versus versus when it doesn't flow like it's harder conversation or choppy or surface or whatever it may be um and sometimes that's me sometimes that's the environment sometimes that's them right but um and so that tension between gifts and wounds um 
any thoughts about that's what I was yeah. more does that any thoughts about either one of you yeah 